It's the Euros, baby. Ooh. Hello and welcome back to the Nostalgia FC podcast with your host, me, Drew. And me, George. This is the podcast where we delve deep into the recesses of obscure footballing players and obscure European history. <laughs> yeah, so usually we'll get on a guest and get, uh, who will give us their favourite footballing 11, their super sub, their manager, their kit and their stadium. But not this week. But not this week, because this week is the Nostalgia FC Euros special. Get in. So... <laughs> As I'm sure you're all aware, football fans, Euros begins on Friday evening. Uh, Euro 2020, obviously it was delayed a year, so Euro 2021, here we are. All across Europe, teams will fight it out in different cities to claim the European Championship. Uh, obviously, we will be rooting for Wales, as uh, when the videos come out for this, you will see, as we are both currently wearing Wales shirts. Yep. <laughs> but in this episode, we have both created our, in true nostalgia FC style, our own best 11s from Euro history. We're not talking about players who played well in the Champions League. We're not talking about players who played well in the Premier League. Only in the European Championships. From any um, era, any age, any team. I'm so glad you said that. That helps me a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so, without further ado, this is the Nostalgia FC Euros Special. Okay, so we've done these sort of episodes before where we have both made a team and we've usually had a third person, but this time we're flying solo. Yeah. Our first Just As episode, so bear with us, fans. If you're not happy with that, we'll get a guest next week. <laughs> but the concept is we're going to come at you with two individual teams. We have not discussed these beforehand, so we might end up with the exact same teams, although it seems unlikely. Yeah. yeah. Two separate teams, and then uh, you guys can decide who has the better Euros Best 11 and manager and superstub and kit and stadium. We're also going to include a moment of the Euros. So our favourite moments of whatever Euros it might be. But yeah. Oh, I wonder what that could be. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll see. Right then. Formations. I have gone for a classic 4-4-2. Mm. See, I wanted to, and it will become apparent when I get to them. I <laughs> I struggle with midfielders. Midfielders, there are so many you could put in there, and there are so many I feel like I've left out. But uh, so I've gone for a three-four-three. Three-four-three, nice. It's quite common to see that formation on this podcast. It seems at the moment. I mean, I used it. Marks used it. Just seems yeah. like the perfect way to get more centre mids in. I think it's the perfect way to like when you're struggling for defenders and you want to put a few midfielders yeah, in there. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah. Goalkeeper. Do you want to go first? Yeah, go on. I'll go first. And I'm going to have to apologise for how I pronounce this guy's name. And Antonios Nikopolidis. Is that right? Ah, the Greek goalkeeper. The Greek goalkeeper. Yeah. So 2004, wasn't it? Yeah. When Greece won it. Which was I love an underdog story. Always yeah. have, always will. I don't. I don't think anyone dislikes an underdog story. No, you can't. If I wasn't a United fan. I would have absolutely loved Villarreal winning the Europa League. And I did, but not because uh, <laughs> yeah. more because I don't like United. Probably. But like, 
for Greece to win that tournament was insane anyway. He kept three clean sheets through the um, knockout stages, which is just incredible. And from yeah. a keeper I've not heard of no. apart from this, is like I wanted to start it off with this and the fact that he, we're saying it's, somewhat, it's a team of the Euros. So he absolutely shone in the Euros. He did it for his country. He came out. I wanted to put more Greece players in. He is unfortunately my only one. Oof. I know, I know. Rough. Unlucky Greece. But that, um, that tournament I, was just incredible, that whole yeah. Euro 2004. And the fact that they beat the hosts in the final, just oh, I love that. Just the perfect script, isn't it? It's yeah. perfect script. Can't write that. You couldn't have written that any better if you're like, and, right, right, lads, no one knows who we are. I don't even know who half our own team are. But we're going to go there <laughs> and we're going <laughs> to win a, few, a bunch of narrow games, beat Czech Republic in the semi-finals an extra time. Yeah, yeah. And then... Yeah. I also, I, I love watching uh, any Greece team play because the commentators having to say every one of their names is just difficult. <laughs> <laughs> like, no offence to them, like, but it is just difficult for, like, a British commentator to yeah. say their names that they're just like, oh, my gosh. Yeah, they got no chance, have they? If they were playing, like, Greece-Ukraine, they'd have no chance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, so that's him. And um, he was actually in the... Uh, team of the Euros in 2004 as well so yeah I think a lot of the Greek t- the Greek side was to be honest yeah well I have gone for a similar sort of story oh, go on. mine is from 1992 so before we were even born so I had to do some research on this yeah my goalkeeper is the Great Dane Mr. Peter Schmeichel yeah yeah so in 1992 this is a mad story which I didn't even know Denmark won Euro 92 Two. Yep. They weren't even supposed to be in the tournament until two weeks before it started because Yugoslavia got kicked out. And they won it. And they so won I, it. I, I knew they won it. I didn't know that. They weren't supposed to be in it. They got Yugoslavia got kicked out two weeks before because of something to do with the Balkan War. And uh, they let Denmark in in their place and Denmark went on to win it. What? Yeah. That's, that's underdog on underdog. That's the stuff of dreams. Is that? That's, that's, like, st- that's st- something you see in a film. Literally, like, it's like, <laughs> just imagine, like, everything always comes back to dodgeball. Like, a, <laughs> the cast of dodgeball, but they're all Danish <laughs> playing football. But yeah, so Peter Schmeichel in that tournament kept a few clean sheets, did some miraculous saves, saved a penalty in the semi final against Marco Van Basten, one of the greatest strikers of all time. And then in the final, had a man of the match performance and was just absolutely unreal. I've watched the highlights, uh, do my research for this, like to like stay tuned up. And he was a lot younger than I remember him being, because obviously 1992, when I knew of him, it was like late 90s. But he was, was wearing this, out, yeah, yeah, he was wearing absolutely outrageous goalkeeper shirt. It was like black and like loads of different colours on it. But he was just, the way he was flying around, it was incredible. Like unbelievable goalkeeper performance from an unbelievable goalkeeper. Everyone knows of him as an amazing goalkeeper, but it was relative unknown at that point. And I imagine that's actually what propelled him into Probably, sort of yeah. limelight. Yeah. But yeah, a starring performance in that tournament, saving a penalty against Marco Van Basten in the semi-final shootout. Uh, and then, yeah, just apparently for the rest of that tournament, he was just unbelievable, unbeatable. The great Dane gained his nickname in Euro 92. I, um, I've just found the goalkeeper shirt he was wearing as well. Outrageous, isn't it? <laughs> it's um, yeah. That's nineties. Have you seen anything that's nineties? <laughs> that's the beginning of the nineties as well. Yeah. That's uh, well, it's out there. Yeah, it's it's, it's something. 
<laughs> yeah, I love I love Peter Schmeichel, obviously, for a lot of reasons. Yeah. Um, and now his son has just won the won the FA Cup as well. Yeah, which is nice, isn't it? Yeah. So when it's you then, yeah. My right back is a Frenchman. Got to get a Frenchman in, stay close to the my future children that he will be Yeah, I, I always think like this this Euros and probably the last one as well, like Wales go out, you can always su- support France. Yeah, I'm sticking with that as well. That's good because I can always eventually support the winner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but anyway. Yeah, go on. Frenchman playing right back, one of the greatest right backs or defenders, in fact, of a generation. It's Lilian Turam. Oh, nice. So Lilian Turam played for France 142 times, represented France in a whole host of international tournaments, winning the World Cup, winning the Confederations Cup, and also in the year 2000, winning the European Championship. And he played a starring role in that, started every game. Uh, Yeah, he's just an absolute legend of the game, one of the best defenders of all time, and an absolute legend of the Euros and beyond. Yeah, it's a name I haven't heard in a while as well, which is cool to bring back up. Yeah, he's absolutely unreal. Like, genuinely one of the best defenders I've ever seen play. He became the third Frenchman ever to win 100 caps for France after Didier Deschamps and Marcel Desailly. But he basically, he played in 2002 World Cup, 2006 World Cup, Euro 96, Euro 2004, Euro 2008, Euro 2000. So he played in so many international tournaments. Think how long that's spanning and considering how good of a footballer nation France are. Yeah. Considering in that well, time, he reached the gonna, World Cup final twice, won once. Just unbelievable. They're always amongst the conversation every Euros, don't they? Yeah. No, they and this, this time especially, like, they're winning it. But <laughs> Yeah, I think so. But yeah, Lilian Taram, absolutely unbelievable player. Played for some amazing teams, Monaco, Parma, Juve and Barca. 503 career appearances in club level with only 10 goals, but then 142 caps for France, which is up there with the most for France. And yeah, just an unbelievable man. Unbelievable player. And especially in the Euros, Euro 2000, played a massive part in winning that tournament. So yeah, unbelievable. Nice. I like that one. Yeah. Also, his this is a nice one for you. His son will be representing France in this year's Euros. Oh, is he going? Marcus Turam is in the squad. Plays from Brooksy Much and Gladbach. He is going to. He is going I, to I, Euros. I, did, I didn't know he was going. Yep, he's going. So like that for, for like a nice little full circle moment. Lilian Turam, one of the most capped French players ever, played in so many tournaments. And obviously, Marcus Turam would have seen it growing up. And then now Marcus gets to represent the country that his dad did as well. Amazing. That's that's pretty sick. I, I love stuff like that. So. Going going back to mine, so I've actually got three centre-backs. Now, one of them is very much shoehorned in as centre-back. I'm going to go for him first because he is a right-back slash holding midfielder for Germany. Ah, uh, is it Mr. Lahm? It's Philip Lahm. Yeah, nice. He's played in, I think it's, is it three Euros? But he got called up, he got called up to the 2004 Euros as a young lad. Uh, I think Germany, in that competition didn't get out the group stages, but he was very much seen. He played all 90 minutes of every single game and he was seen as one of the best players in that gym squad as a young lad as well. So uh, I think Euro 
2008 came along and he was one of the first names on the sheet. And Philip Lahm, like, you could talk about him in any tournament that he's been in. He's such a good player. Yeah. He's such a good player. And so just good. to see him in a Germany shirt as well, he gives it all for the badge. He seems like one of those players that, which you probably don't see as much anymore. I'm not saying there aren't any out there, but people who give more for their country than their than their actual team sort of thing. Yeah. Or it, yeah. it, fa- it like felt Gareth like... Bale. Yeah, well, yeah, Gareth Bale is the main one at the moment, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> but um, Philip Lahm is just... I, I love him as a player anyway. Uh, I remember every time I used to watch, whether it be Euros or World Cup, and he was there, he would... It, Aaron Wan-Bissaka sort of reminds me of him at the moment. Yeah. The fact that if you, a player might think that they're past you, and then somehow your leg extends about two more feet and just takes the ball away. Yeah, just unbelievable. What a player. Well, player. in Euro 2008, he scored a last-minute winner against Turkey in the, was it the third-place playoff? I think. Yeah, it was something like that, wasn't it? Yeah. Yes, because I think, it, I think, <coughs> I can't I remember who the final was in Euro, I don't remember, uh, Spain, wasn't it? It was Spain in the Euro 2008 final. And, uh, but Germany played against Turkey, I think, in the, the third-place playoff. And Philip Lahm scored in the last minute, and then you can see there how much it meant to him. He's literally mm. like sprinting towards all the Germany bench. Just yeah, even bit. even in a third place playoff as well, which a lot of players are sort of like not probably not too bothered about. Yeah, but yeah, love him. What a man! What oh, a tell a lie. That was in the semi final. Oh, well, there you yeah, go. So they apologies. got to the final semi final because they lost. They eventually lost in the final to Spain. Right, they beat. Turkey 3-2 in the semi-finals and Philip Lahm scored the last-minute goal that got them into the final. So how's that for a Euros contribution from Mr. Lahm? Yeah, he did all right, didn't he? <laughs> That's not bad for a left-back that plays centre-mid. I found out during uh, searching my team that he is uh, part of the bid for the 2024 European Championships to be held in Germany as well. So, oh, nice. Yeah, he's a big ambassador for Germany yeah, now, massively. isn't he? So uh, you feel like... He did his time playing. He obviously had a hell of a career, especially uh, for Bayern Munich and Germany. And now he's just like, yeah, let's let's continue. He, he clearly just loves the game and he wants to see it being played in Germany. Yeah. So. yeah. Lovely. All right, you'll go again. He's next on the back. Yeah, so I, um, I felt like a lot of my team were going to be of the generation of me growing up and watching it. So I was just like, right, let's find someone who at somewhere in my team who I can throw it back, who, let's be honest, was playing way before I was born. <laughs> but it's Franz Beckenbauer. Oh, I've seen so many videos of Franz Beckenbauer. And when I, when I decided to put him in my team, I went back and just double-checked that he was okay in the Euros as well. Because it was like one of those things <laughs> that's like, because he was way before I was born. Um, but he, he won, uh, Germany won it in 1972, were runners up the next the next time to 1976, and um, I you have to believe that he was a massive th- like part of that because he yeah. when you think of German defenders you think of Beckenbauer straight away yeah. even now he he played back then even now you think of him straight away so um, yeah he had to be in there I think yeah I think when you're talking about defenders and like performing on the big stage. You put those two together, you get Franz Beckenbauer. Yeah, it was also as well. It was when it was West Germany rather than just Germany. Yeah, and the wall was still up. 
Yeah, which is is a bit crazy. And I can't imagine like uh, <laughs> how that would have gone down in East Germany with West Germany winning. I don't know how it all went down, but no. Yeah. I imagine Franz Beckenbauer was hard enough to take down the Berlin Wall by himself. I, it wouldn't surprise me. It would not surprise me. <laughs> Him and David Hasselhoff taking down the wall one brick at a time. Yeah. I know as well, before the um, the one that they won, so 1972, he became captain of that year. So he was the one that captained them to the to the uh, to the championship as well, which is just nice. It's pretty decent. Lovely. I love yeah, I just Germany just produced such good defenders. Good players all round, actually. But I mean the fact that your first two defenders are both German shows how good Germany Yeah, probably says something. It it does slightly get controversial after these two. Obviously, oh. it's gonna go over to two of your players now. That'll be interesting to hear what your thoughts are on that one. But um I've got my arguments. I've written them down just in case. All right, I'm excited. <laughs> so go on to my next defender. Yeah. I already mentioned his name. It is Marcel Desailly. What? Former Chelsea player. Absolute France legend. Up there with the most capped uh, players for France. Again, he was in the Euro 2000 team that won the Euros. He won the World Cup with France. Got to the final in 98. Nope, they won it in 98. Got to the final 2006. That Marcel Desailly was just the ultimate centre-back. So good, so athletic, agile, could play with the ball, would head anything that moved. Just a hell of a player. Uh, yeah, I can't disagree with that. I I only really remember him at Chelsea. I don't remember him at any of the... It's yeah. probably because before that, I was probably a bit young. But I remember at Chelsea, him being sort of this presence at the back that was just terrifying <laughs> yeah exactly so he, he played for France between 1993 and 2004 and he won the 1998 World Cup but more importantly for this he won Euro 2000 he basically was like the sort of the, like the foundation that France built their defence around like Taram obviously was the right back but he also played centre back with Desailly yeah, yeah between the pair of them what an absolute like wall to get past with Desailly and Taram and then insert two other defenders here because like those two by themselves <laughs> could probably defend most teams anyway. Yeah, a hundred percent. And like, like you say, like France, France always, maybe not so much as Germany, but France always produced decent centre-backs. You know, Laporte, sorry, he's not French anymore. <laughs> oh, he's Spanish now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's, that annoys me. It annoys me how much that's happened this, especially this year. People are like, ah, no, I'm not going to be this nationality. I'm going to be this one instead. It's like, <laughs> what? Hey, tell you what about Marcel Desailly, though. So a few well, things. He was nicknamed The Rock. So Marcel The Rock Desailly, not quite the same ring to it, but... <laughs> as long as he gave people the, the people's the eyebrow, or whatever it's called, <laughs> the eyebrow, yeah. Uh, and this, you'll enjoy this. I already knew, I knew this, but you'll be excited about this. He was named by Pelé in the FIFA 100 World's Greatest Living Players. Is it 100 or 100 and, what was it, 25? 100 this time. <laughs> Oh, did he do it every year? I have no idea. I bet the ones you've asked him to, like Pele, Pele, just stop doing his list, mate. We've had enough. Imagine, like, over in, uh, over in Brazil, they're just watching their version of Countdown. He goes, <laughs> we interrupt this this episode <laughs> to bring you <laughs> Pele's new top 100 players. He's just like, oh, for God's sake. Give it <laughs> oh, I love it. But Marcel Desailly, one yeah. of the best defenders of all time, so good in defence that he got bored and moved into midfield. That's a sign of a good defender. And still bossed it as well. Yeah, 
just yeah. his play style, his ability to read the game, and like his leadership in Euro 2000. Again, I was very young in Euro 2000. I was like seven years old. Well, if I'd been six years old, but like he, having read back and looked and watched the highlights and stuff like that, he was like monumental in France, eventually winning Euro 2000 and just a, a, a talisman for that team. The rock, he was their rock. He was in the way of everything. Hard tackles. Back in the day when you're allowed to do hard tackles, he, he yeah. was doing them. Also, after that Euro 2000 win, he became captain after Deschamps. Yeah. Uh, which is quite a nice little thing. He's also a Knight of the Legion of Honour, which is... Yes, please. Uh, apparently, <laughs> apparently all, all French players uh, got given that title after winning the World Cup in 1998. Imagine being a Knight of the Legion of Honour. That sounds like something out of a Marvel <laughs> Yeah, that, that is something special, isn't it? Yeah, Desai <laughs> is one of them. <laughs> but it doesn't sound as good as M. I mean, sorry, MBE doesn't sound as good as that, does it? No, not quite. No, <laughs> not as cool. So yeah, that was that's my uh, my first centre back. So yeah. my second centre back. I'm gonna throw it forward to the last Euros, Euro 2016, and it is. Ashley Williams. Ashley yeah. Williams. It is Ashley Williams. <laughs> it's actually Ashley, it Williams. Is Ashley Williams. Yeah. Yes. So, I mean, you, you listeners should, if you've been paying a lot of attention to this podcast all along, you would know that there's going to be at least one Wales player in each of our teams here. And I have put Ashley Williams in mind. Now, Ashley Williams is a player that, in his club career, I don't think was that good. He was no. good for Swansea uh, when they won the League Cup, when he got promoted. He was a beast for them. And then he threw his career down the toilet and joined Everton. Uh, and it, <laughs> it didn't really go well for him at Everton in the long run. He played all right for a little bit. And then he moved to Stoke and he's been to like Bristol City. and he, Yeah. But for Wales, I've never known a man from Birmingham put so much in to play in <laughs> for Wales. I just love him. Like for, for the amount of tournament as well, considering how much of Wales were ranked underdogs. And obviously, you've all heard us talk about Wales on this podcast. In that Euros, it meant a lot to us. But even from the off, like that first game against Slovakia, we weren't very good. We were no. lucky to win that game. <laughs> no. Ashley Williams was there, just putting it about all game. Like he was marking players better than him throughout the whole tournament. Like considering we played England at full strength, and yes, they won in the end. But Ashley Williams put a hell of a fight against him, along with the other defenders. I could have put other defenders in here, but I just think the leadership that Ashley Williams showed as the Wales captain in that Euros to get them to the semi-final, and he played a massive part in that. He did yeah. all that he could. Unfortunately, some players around him towards the end of the tournament with like Ramsey getting booked and missing the semi-final and and uh, Ben Davis missing the semi-final and things like that. Obviously, it didn't all go Wales' way, but Ashton Williams, you could never have accused him of not putting his all in to to try and win Wales that tournament or get as far as they possibly could. Instrumental oh, yeah. in the clean sheets we had against Russia and against Northern Ireland. It's just an absolute rock at the back. For a defender who's not particularly tall, or fast, or that good at football. <laughs> he just put yeah, it in. He and then seemed to have the qualities you wanted a defender, but it worked. It yeah, like, exactly. And then, such a leader in that one. Yeah, exactly. It? And then his crowning moment is just the goal against Belgium. Like you knew a goal, was, you knew a goal against Belgium was coming in this podcast, but you didn't think it was that one. So, <laughs> <laughs> like that, get that goal. Wales are under the cosh against the runner play. We're getting battered, and then it's coming towards the end of the first half. We get a corner. They trot forward and Ashley Williams somehow goes unmarked in the Belgian box, heads it down into the corner 
And to this day, I still don't know why, but it's my favourite Kevin De Bruyne assist of all time. He decides to move off the post and uh, let Ashley Williams' goal go in. If Kevin De Bruyne had stayed where he was, we may never have been talking about this game in a positive light. Yeah. And so thanks, Kev. Big, big best, shout out to you, Kev. Best player in the world, Kevin De Bruyne, you know, just takes one step away from the post. There you go. There you go. He's not a defender. Also, there you go. That proved that. I love, <laughs> I love that Ashley, like Ashley Williams' uh, celebration after that goal yeah. was just sure disbelief. And it was like, I don't know what the fuck to do at this point. Then he, but then he runs towards the bench. I love it because they always show it in slow motion in the replay where he runs towards yeah. them and his face just switches. He's like, <laughs> like proper like, you can tell he's holding back, just full on, just going mad. And then jumps into the Wales players. But as he's running towards them, obviously he's a big lad in terms of oh, his stature. God, yeah. And they're all looking at him like, oh, geez. Ash- no, actually, no. Actually, no. <laughs> I love the fact as well that, because you talk about how Robson Carney scoring, and that's like the main part of that game. Like after after nine Golan's goal went in, and I've said it on the podcast before, one of the best goals I've ever seen yeah. in my life. Incredible. The belief in like Wales' hearts goes out, like fans-wise, not players-wise. Yeah. I remember watching it being like, well... It was a good run. We managed to get here, but we're going out to the best team in the tournament. That goal yeah. goes in and hope is just like, I remember that being like, oh my God, hold on a second. We could actually do this. And then the other two goals go in and it's just pandem- pandemonium. So yeah, that's absolutely unbelievable. The more important goal out of all three of them. Yeah. That, that, that turned the tide just before halftime. Like, yeah. We were sort of under the cosh. But then for the rest of the game, Ash Williams had Lukaku... Benteke, De Bruyne, Hazard, Witzel, Fellaini, all coming at him. Mm. And he just stood stood tall. Well, not that tall. Stood there <laughs> and just, just defended the whole game. Didn't lose any yeah. concentration. Just put it all in the whole game. So, yeah. So Big good. Ashley Williams. Not yeah. the best player you've ever seen in your life, but for that tournament and that leadership that he showed for a man from Birmingham <laughs> to lead <laughs> the great nation of Wales. There's, there's not many Welsh players in the Welsh team, let's be honest. There is there is now, but there wasn't there wasn't for a long yeah. time, and and like that's just how it goes in international football. Like there's a lot of players that that change allegiances. For example, Americ Laporte, <laughs> but but like it's one of them where if for me, if someone wants to represent Wales and they care about it, that sounds crack on. Yeah, yeah, doesn't bother me where you're from. If you want to if you want to come represent us and play well, then sweet. Right, my third centre back is me, isn't it? Is my yeah. Yeah, my third centre back uh, is the one that I was like could be controversial. You might agree with me, and again, it's for Euros. Is Pepe? Oh, yeah, right. yeah. Interesting one in the fact that Pepe, when you think of like the greatest defenders, probably to play for European teams, he's not really going to be up there. But he is the defender with the highest number of man of the matches in the Euros ever. What? What? Yeah, actually, yeah, it's only three, but I'm assuming wow, it's because okay. I'm assuming it's because you don't usually give a man of the match to a defender in a Euros game. Maybe I don't fully know. But <laughs> That's only such got... a random thing. Why Pepe? But I don't know. I also don't know if like so. When I was reading it, I don't know like when man of the match awards actually officially started. Like, yeah, you might have had best player of the game. But when did they actually officially start and how many competitions has that actually been going for? Sort of yeah. Thing. But Pepe's there. And also, I there's something about Pepe. He's he's another one that's got like so much passion. Even when he played for um, 
Madrid. He had yeah. so much passion. Yes, he was probably a walking red card. <laughs> He's just a pantomime villain, isn't he? Yeah, hundred percent. Hundred percent. Back was just a, a comedy of just villains against everybody else. Yeah, but um, yeah, I I sort of like Pepe. It's a weird one in the fact that he is he is a Panama villain. I do like him, and the fact that he's got that many man of matches. And for Portugal, he's another player. Same with Philip Lahm, who just seems to thrive under playing for the country. Yeah, yeah, he definitely does. I mean, he yeah. won it. He won the tournament with him twenty sixteen. Oh yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, I wanted. I was wishing for everything in that semi-final for him to get sent off, and he didn't. <laughs> the one so, game he wanted to get sent off, I think he didn't. <laughs> but yeah, um, like controversial decision. But the fact that he's ma- he's managed to be the defender with the most man of the matches in the Euros is uh, that is mad. Considering <laughs> the defenders that I've named so far, <laughs> Taram and Desai, and then Pepe, Philip Lahm, Beckenbauer. Like I say, I don't know when like official. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Official man of the that match. doesn't matter. We'll just take it as on face value. That's what the stat is. That's what it means. That's what the stat is. He's got the same amount of man of the matches as Perlo. Remember <laughs> <laughs> golfing class between the two players there. I mean, Pepe, yeah. is, Pepe is good. He played at the top level for a very long time. He's still playing for Porto now. He's, he's playing at the top level, but mm. yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, yeah, yeah. He's, he is known for being a bit of a liability nowadays, but <laughs> yeah, good old Pepe. Right. Moving on. I've just mentioned Perlo. He is one of the people that missed out on my midfield. That must have hurt you. Which is, which says a lot because I've managed to put four central midfielders in here and he's still not in that, which is just crazy. So like, I believe Euros, Perlo always showed up at the Euros, but I believe Euros, these players were better. This first player I think is better than Perlo anyway. Same hairstyle. Better beard, plays for Wales. Joe Allen, yeah, <laughs> couldn't leave him out. What we Joe? Was, he was. It's weird. Whenever anyone thinks of that Wales 2016 squad, they're going to think of Bale. They're going to think of Ramsey. They're going to think of Hal Robson Carney for that goal. Yeah. Joe Allen was the best player by yeah. far. Well, team of the tournament, he was in it. I mean, so was Ramsey, but yeah, yeah. But like you say, with Ramsey, I was going to put Ramsey in. Um, probably instead of Alan, but like you said, with the whole like, it's the discipline aspect of it, and the fact that he did get that yellow, and it did mean yeah. meant he missed the yellow, uh, the semi-finals. You never know what would have happened; it still could have turned out the same way. But it's just little things like that. It's like little um, little moments like that can change it. Yeah. But Joe Allen, what a player! Yeah, it's one of them where he's another player that shows it for his country more than his clubs. Because at the time he was playing for, he was he was on the books at Liverpool. He was on the way out already because Klopp had come in and it seemed like he wasn't keen on. He hadn't he hardly played Joe Allen. It looked like Joe was going to go. Yeah. So he'd gone to this tournament and it was a bit like, all right, where's he going to go? Oh, we'll wait till after the tournament to find out. But then he just absolutely bossed that tournament to the point where I was like, oh, you can don't sell him, don't sell him, keep him. Yeah. He's so good. But yeah, I mean, like I said, a man that resembles Jesus and <laughs> played like him. What a man. I, I just how he controlled that midfield, and it just seemed like, and it was what what I lo- what I love the idea of as well is it would be like the equivalent of us watching Euros this year, and I'm trying to think of a team that um, would be an underdog this year, not Wales, um, Hungary, yeah, Hungary, and suddenly in the middle of the park there in Hungary, holding midfielder, you've got this guy who's absolutely controlling the midfield, 
and he's just best player on the pitch by a milestone. You're just like, who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> I feel like every other country was like, who is that guy? That's what I love. I just love the idea of Joe Allen walking into the photo shoot for the team of the tournament. <laughs> with how, looking around with how like, short he is as well. Christian Aranda's like, was like sorry, who are you? <laughs> so you were standing for someone? What, what are you doing here? Yeah, incredible. incredible. So, yeah, just like, he was another one of those players where like, the, what he does for Wales, it sort of goes unnoticed from time to time at his club level. But for Wales, because on the international stage, there's few games, everything's under a microscope. And like, because that tournament was such a feel good factor for Wales, everyone like got good reputation. Sorry, everyone got good reputations on the back of that yeah. tournament because people saw Wales for the first time as an actual footballing country. They were like, oh my God, they can play football too. Oh my goodness. And then Joe Allen, who before that was just this little midfielder that Brennan Rogers was obsessed with. <laughs> became an actual decent like prospect for football. They're like, oh my god, he can control a game against Belgium. He was the, yeah. he was in the midfield against Axel Witzel, Marino Fellaini, Kevin Nine Golan, Nine Golan, all played in that game, and Joe Allen bossed it. I mean, if you want to go like more into uh, who's in that Belgium squad, like Eden Hazard, yeah, uh, who they got up front, Lukaku was he playing Lukaku, or was it Benteke? Yeah. I don't but know. That, that's what I mean. I think with Joe Allen, like. His style of play was so well suited to the way that Wales played in that tournament yeah. with the five at the back because then he could just sit in front of that five and just do what he wanted, just free roam and break up the play and, and spray it forward. Like the, the pass that he made for Aaron Ramsey's goal against Russia in yeah. the final group stage game where he like just nails this guy in the middle of the park and then just gets up and sprays this lovely like sl- slide rule pass down the middle for Ramsey to run onto. Just love it. Excellent, yeah. amazing player. I like. I, it's very much a biased pick. I will. I will hold my hands up and say that. Like, I feel like anyone else was doing these teams probably wouldn't put him in there. And I've, I, I have just said that you know I've not put Perlo in because I put Joe Allen in. Yeah, because is... Joe Allen is better than Andre Perlo. <laughs> but you know, I'm Welsh. I'm a Welsh fan. It's, he's got to go in there. He's got to <laughs> go in there. There was a great meme of him after he got in between the tournament where it was like a picture of him walking along with the teacher that said, no Alan, no party. <laughs> that's yeah. not, if that's not a mark to live by, I don't know what is. I'd, I'd, I'd take that, yeah. And that is the one reason why I'm happy that the Euros was postponed by one year because if it had been last year, Charlton would have been injured and not played. But now he's fit and ready to play. Yeah. Imagine if he did it again. So when we win the Euros, it's down to Joe Allen and it's down to them postponing it. So nice one, UEFA. You said there's a favour. Good job, COVID. Thanks. Thank you, COVID. Thank you, that guy who ate a bat over in China. You've helped us win the Euros. This is going to look very poor in three weeks when we have not won the Euros. (laughs) (laughs) When we're out in the group stages. (laughs) Lost every game. 5-0. All right, is that... Is it my go? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Left back for you. Right, so my left back... It's a bit of a curveball choice. We won't spend too much time chatting about him because he's not that well-known a player. I suppose he is. He did come over to England last this. Euro 2008, a Russian team that made it quite far into the tournament. Yeah. And their left-back was Mr. Yuri Zhirkov. Okay. Yuri Zhirkov. He did move on and play for Chelsea after CSK Moscow, where he was at the time when he played in that tournament. But in that tournament, it's a bit of a weird tournament. England weren't there, so the media coverage wasn't great. Uh, in this country, but Yuri Zirkov was a pacey attacking left back playing for a Russia team that surprised a lot of a lot of teams. Like they had Roman Pavlichenko, they had 
Alan Zagoev. They had some like great players in that team, and and amongst them was their left back, Yuri Zhirkov. He was bombing up and down the wing. He was defending okay. Like he wasn't the best defender in the tournament by any means, but his attacking like energy and like just sprints up and down the side. Considering Russia weren't supposed to do much in that tournament, and they did all right. They got to the semis, I think, and they did. Well, they they got third. Yeah, that's what I mean. Third place tournament in that tournament, and Yuri Zhirkov was a massive part of that, bombing up and down the wing. So Yuri Zhirkov goes left back in my best ever Euros team. I love that. Yeah. I love like a little left field choice like that. Yeah, because I was going to go Paolo Maldini, but we spoke about Paolo Maldini <laughs> so much, and I was I, I was going to ch- choose Maldini, and I sort of went away from it because everyone that. knows Maldini was a great left back. But in that particular Euros, for an underdog team to come third place in a tournament with some amazing countries left in there. Well, Juri Zirkov was a massive part of that. So in he goes. Yeah, love that. Yeah. So I gonna... I, I, you said we won't go much into him. I don't know a lot about him, apart from the fact no. he played for Chelsea. Played but... for Chelsea. He wasn't very good and, for Chelsea. But you are, you are so right in the fact that the, the coverage of it, as soon as England weren't in it, the coverage of it was so much poorer. Yeah. Like so much poorer, which is... Like it, it does make sense. It does. Yeah, I mean, sense. it does, but I mean... It's still a That's big like saying run. that when the Champions League final's on, that they don't show the Champions League final because there's no English teams in it. Yeah, if it was like Bayern Munich versus Real Madrid, yeah. did you be like, yeah. Yeah, that's what I mean. But I mean, I understand it, but at the same time, do you want England? Anyway, <laughs> speaking of do you want England, here's my next choice. From Euro 2000 and Euro 2004, this man had unbelievable performances for a team that came close in both tournaments. It is Mr. Luis Figo. Oh, okay. So Luis Figo in Euro 2000 actually scored an absolute belter from 25 yards against England in a 3-2 victory. And in that same year, Luis Figo won the Ballon d'Or. Nice. It's also the season that he transferred from Barcelona to Real Madrid. That's a nice shithouse move for you. Yeah, like there is not, that's like Tevez level of moving from United to City. That's like big. Massive. So Luis Figo, obviously pacey winger, one of the Galacticos for Real Madrid, played for mm. obviously for Barca as well. Absolute talisman for Portugal before Ronaldo turned up. He was their guy, him and Rui Costa. Yeah. And yeah, Luis Figo made a big impact in Euro 2000 and then the same in Euro 2004 where they got to the final and that when they hosted it, obviously eventually they ended up losing to Greece. And they actually lost twice to Greece in that tournament because the opening group stage game was... Greece versus Portugal, and they Was lost it? 2-1. Oh, wow. Um, but, yeah, in that tournament, both tournaments, but in the second tournament, Luis Figo played a, a bit of a smaller part in Euro 2004. Um, he was a bit older then. He wasn't as as popular a player as he was in Euro 2000, obviously winning the Ballon d'Or. But he made big impacts. He made like goal-scoring contributions off the bench. He helped assist goals off the bench and then obviously got them into the final and and played a part in helping, well, trying to help them win the tournament. Eventually, they finished second, runners up to Greece. But yeah, Luis Figo, absolute baller and an amazing European Championship player. Yeah, yeah. I used to love uh, Luis Figo. He actually yeah. retired after that um, uh, champ- European Championship in yeah. 2004. And then next year was like, oh, actually, never mind. So yeah, clearly, hurt him. like it really did hurt him that he yeah. lost that final. But. Um, I imagine if you can win the Euros on your home soil, that must be special. God, yeah. 
it'll be oh, almost as special as when Wales lift the European Championship in Wembley and Gareth Bale walks into the centre and just plants a Wales flag and sort of fuck ah. Yeah, it's even better, isn't it? What would you what would you prefer if you could choose to do it in Wembley or to do it in the Principality? Uh, <laughs> That's a good question. That's a really good question. I think if we were playing England, uh, Wembley. <laughs> As much as it would be like a shit house move, like to do it at Wembley, it'd have to be in Principality. I want to go Principality, Cardiff City Stadium. Get it smaller. I want it that packed out. Whoa. Bring it Wrexham. Bring it Racecourse. As Don't soon as that. as soon as uh, Ryan Reynolds and Rob McCallany have done it up, fuck it. Let's let's bring the <laughs> European Championships. Every single game can be played there. <laughs> uh, yeah, but Luis Figo. If you haven't seen his goal against England, they won 3-2 in the Euro 2000 that is. Came from behind, didn't they? They did. And yeah. Luis Figo, people did think maybe he got deflected or it didn't, but basically just runs by himself freely into the midfield and, and smashes an absolute thunder bastard into the top right corner. And whoever the keeper is, I think it might have been David Seaman, sort of stands there and goes, oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> That's gone in. He literally stood there like, like Wallace and Wallace and Gromit, like, uh-oh. <laughs> just, yeah. <laughs> so yeah Luis Figo what a man David a Seaman man. looks like Wallace from Wallace and Trump. <laughs> except for the fact he's got a ponytail lovely <laughs> goal Luis <laughs> uh, I like that right <laughs> I'm going to move on to the reason Spain won the European Championship twice in two consecutive tournaments. I think we might and have honestly, the same player. Both of them. So I'm picking both of mine in one. Here. There is a reason that this is obviously my opinion. There is a reason Spain have not been as dominant or as good since these two have retired from international football. It's Xavi and Iniesta. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. And they... The thing, the thing is about them, I've picked them in the European Championships side. They could go, like, you could put them in a Champions League side, you could put them in a La Liga side, you could put them in a World Cup side, you could put them in any sort of side that we do. Yeah. And it fits. They were so good. They're so good individually, they're even better together. But personally, <laughs> so basically the, the Spain squad, when they were playing, was pretty much just Barcelona and Real Madrid. Yeah. Like, that's all it was. But they, those two were just the best players in that squad. And like I say, since they retired, Spain have not been the same side and they haven't quite got two people to replace them. Yeah. I, well, I think Chami is up there with the, the greatest midfielders of all. Both of them are, to be fair. And, and spoiler alert, my next midfielder, my center, one of my centre mids is Chavi. Yeah. Um, for his starring roles in 2008 and 2012. Um, yeah. I think he got played in the tournament in 2012. Um, uh, yeah, I think Iniesta got it in, like, one of them got a player of the tournament in one of them, and I think the other got it in the other one. Unless I've read it wrong when I was searching it. Yeah. But yeah, I think... I don't know many players, or any players, that can control a game and the pace of it like Xavi can. Uh, Xavi won it in 2008 player of the tournament and yeah. Iniesta won it in 2012 and like 2012. that Spain team was just yeah. so dominant like they were so good the, the, the football they played it helped the majority of their players were from Barcelona so at the, the time. yeah that's the, that's the only thing it's like the, the majority of their players already played together so they had that advantage 
I guess you could look at it in that way. But the 2008 one I loved because they had Marcos Senna playing behind them. Yeah. So it was those two bombing forward, like doing what they wanted, controlling the game, just dictating the play, just. Basically, uh, two mates playing for the same club that play for the same country, just like, yeah, just, just stick around. Yeah, just have it and win a tournament. Yeah, why, why not? And Marco Senna was just there, like, nailing people, <laughs> loving his life. But between the three of them, they were just, that midfield is so good. And then Alonso in there as well, just oh, lovely. And then I think with Xavi, so Xavi is my next pick as well. So let's, let's go into Xavi. Yeah. Like, the, the way he dictates play, the way he controls the game, the way he orchestrates it, he's literally like a maestro on the pitch, like, yeah. or a conductor, oh. where he, like, even, like, with his body language, he just tells the other players what to do, and they do it. Like, it just... I've never seen a player like it then or since. Like, irreplaceable for Barcelona, as you can see now. Irreplaceable for Spain, as you can see now. Just an unbelievable player. Yeah. Iniesta the same. Um, I'd, I'd say as well, because... The word maestro gets thrown around a lot for like a midfield player now. So like people say that um, a lot of United fans say that Bruno uh, Fernandes at the moment is a midfield maestro, but he's like Xavi was the original. Yeah. For in, in my eyes, anyway. Obviously, there were there were probably a hell of a lot of players that were that sort of player before him. But he just the way he read a game and the way he just easily knew what to do. People used to say that Spain squad was really uh, boring to watch. Yeah. Because it was just pass, 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 and I get that if 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 you're just wanting exciting football, but it's an absolute masterclass in football. Oh yeah, Spain side, and well, those two, those two in midfield were just absolute anchors. That you weren't going to take them out of the squad. Oh no, not even. But I think as well with Xavi, he just does the simple stuff too well. Like you look at the way he plays, and then people are just like. Oh, it wasn't that good. It's like, yeah, but he doesn't have to be that good because basically he's he's there just to make sure everyone else plays well. Yeah. So if Spain, if Spain have played well, that means that Xavi's probably played well, but you just didn't realise it. Yeah, 100%. I'm with you on that one. And just, what a man. What a guy. Yeah. Weird, weird haircut. A lot of gel on that hair. Yeah, like, do you remember do you remember that kid in school who would always like shove a load of wet look yeah. gel into his hair? Like a little like green that. pot that's every single pot smelt the same. Yeah, yeah, just <laughs> stick your whole hand in, shove it on your head. Yeah, and he did that well into his, what, 30s, 40s. Yeah, well, you know. still does it now, Man- managing it, still doing it. <laughs> did he go Did he go to Qatar? Uh, yeah, sorry, yeah, did, Qatar. Al Sad, I think he, I think he's, he just won the tournament. He just won the league with uh, with his team. Fair enough. So, obviously, he's as good a manager as he was. Maybe like, future uh, future Barca manager. You know, or right? Spain. It's the Euros, George, come on. He, yeah, yeah, sorry. <laughs> He's clearly got like a really good football in mind, so I feel like managerial wise, he would be, yeah, he would be up there. Yeah, absolutely. I think, yeah, that sort of that sort of Barcelona era of like Iniesta, Xavi, Messi, Puyol, Abidal, they could all be good coaches because they played under the best coaches in the world. They played yeah, under. You've mentioned so many players as well that I missed, like. I decided not to put in this team. Yeah, that's what I mean. That's the thing. It's so hard to pin down all these players because, like, the oh, Euro is such a, a vast period of time, and so and many amazing players have played in the tournament. The fact that the the Euros and it always will do, and for obvious reasons, comes in second to the World Cup. Euros is still so good, and it's yeah. still like such a good showcase. It's a great for, like, tournament, massive players. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's great. All right, well. Seeing as you named two midfielders in a row, and one of them was the same one as me. Well, we're doing it that way anyway, so that's yeah. why I did it. I also had Xavi 
for his performances in 2008 and 2012 when Spain went back-to-back Euros, which is incredible. Yeah. And that, that Spanish team, and also just to point out, they won the World Cup in the middle, just to throw that in there. So three international tournaments in a row. There's Spain also won. the fact, when you, when you say like back-to-back, so someone winning like back-to-back leagues is good, but at least it's a similar team. With winning back-to-back Euros, it's four years apart. Four years apart. And they're still yeah. there as the anchors in the team. Yeah, unbelievable. So speaking of anchors in teams, my next one is my only Greek player. There you so, go. go on. <laughs> my next midfielder is Theodoris Zagarakis. Yeah, yeah. It was hard to not put not put him yeah. in mind. He that's was. I said earlier on. I wish I could have put more Greek players in, but the captain of the Greek team that won Euro two thousand and four. I struggled with which Greek player to put in. I only wanted to put one of them in because there's so many other players I could put in. I could have put in. Yanakopoulidis, the one who used to play for Bolton. Mm. I could have put in Angelos Karasteas, the striker that scored the winner in the Euros. Just list, I'm just listing all the Greek players I know now. <laughs> but I chose Theodoros Zagarakis. He actually played for Leicester, which I never knew, in like the late 90s to early 2000s. He, he made 50 appearances for Leicester. But Theodoros Zagarakis was the captain. He was quite old at the time as well, when he was the captain of the Euro 2004 Greek side. But he was this little combative midfielder going around, just breaking legs, smashing up the play. Not the best ball player, but literally just going around, breaking people's ankles, getting away with it, being like the anchor for the team where nothing gets past Theo Zagarakis. And if it does get past him, he's going to kill you. <laughs> like, it's just a little a little monster on the pitch. He was. Like, I, I still remember now just watching him run around with players significantly better than him, and he's just there absolutely nailing them. Like, just putting it in for his team, putting that shirt on. And as soon as he sees the Greek flag, he's like, right. It's like the Terminator. His eyes just shut down. It's all yeah, numbers. It's going down. It's just things. like, right, someone's dying. So, so Theodorus Zagarakis. Yeah. A defensive he's... midfielder, but I'm going to play him as centre mid with Xavi. So I've got the perfect yin and yang there. So Xavi's dictating the play. And Zagarakis is destroying it for the other team. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it sounds it sounds like it would work. Perfect little combo with midfielders. But yeah, Zagarakis, that, I mean, that Greek... That Greek Euros win is such an incredible achievement considering how little they've done since. <laughs> they're not they're not the best the best international team now. They're not in this they're not in this year's Euros. They weren't in I, the last Euros. I personally couldn't name could I? No, I probably couldn't name a Greek player at the moment. I can from because one. he plays for Liverpool. His name is Kostas Semikas. <laughs> uh he's our substitute left back. He ah. has made zero appearances. We signed him last summer. But apart from that, no, I couldn't name any Greek players. Either. I wonder why he's made zero appearances, you know, with Andy yeah, Robertson. Uh, a Scottish man in front of me. But yeah, Theodora Zagarakis, an iconic little Greek player. Just just loved it. Loved it. And he, he just loved it. Like the captain getting to lift the tournament, the lift the, lift the trophy in, in the tournament. And just, yeah, just what a man. Theodoris yeah. Zagarakis. Now a politician. Nice. Less two foot challenges in the uh, Greek Parliament. I no, nah, I reckon he. I reckon he still does it. He still actually knowing what I know about Greek politics, there probably is the same amount of two foot challenges. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> still, he's just throwing them in. If it's, things don't go his way, he'll just two foot someone. <laughs> right. Um, my final midfielder, who's sort of going to be, I'd say, like my attacking midfielder. If I had like Alan as my holding one. Iniesta and Javi sort of in the middle, and then this one's probably more attacking, is Michael Ballack. Michael Ballack, yes. Yeah. 
Like a strong German contingent in your team here. Very much so. This is the last German player, though. Yeah. That's <laughs> such, a, such a good player. Yeah. I was getting ready to join Chelsea. I thought uh, it was uh, cool. Yes, but also at the same time, it was good to be able to see him play. Yeah, true. true in that. the Premier League. Um, I, I know what you mean. It's, it's always sucks when a player you like joins, joins a, a rival side. But in the 2008, I think it was... Euros is when they got to the final against Spain and he massively was one of their most dominant players in that tournament. I think he was, was he the captain during that tournament? I can't remember. I feel like that might not be right. But he, after the semi-final, uh, I was reading up on this earlier, he sustained an injury, uh, got over it for the final and then started the game. And you sort of like, with the Euros, the games come at you thick and fast. Yeah. So for it to be saying he suffered an injury in the semi-final, got over it and played in the final, you've got to think he probably wasn't wasn't fully fit or anything like that. And he's no. probably knowing Michael Ballack and the player he's the sort of player he is because he's like absolute no nonsense sort of. He could be he'd be one of these players that you can imagine with bandages around his head, blood running down the sides of it, and just still playing. Yeah. You feel like he probably wasn't fit. And he still thought, nah, I, I want to do this and I want to represent my country and I want to try and win this tournament. And I, if I remember rightly, that that game in the final wasn't the best game. It was just a 1-0 win to Spain. Yeah. But, I'm going to sound full partridge here. Michael Ballack had a foot like a traction engine. <laughs> <laughs> just He does. like I've, He hits the ball so purely. Yeah. Like I've I heard a lot of comparisons where he's like, he's the German equivalent of Steven Gerrard. And I'll take that, like the way he plays, the way he like bombs forward, bombs back, box to box midfielder, dominant in like the physical side of the game as well. Michael Ballack, just an absolute legend. Yeah. For the Euros and otherwise. Yeah. I, I picked him for the Euros for the 2008 uh, uh, competition. He was in the team of the tournament, got him to the final, and he was one of the driving factors for that. Yeah. And yeah, he may have played with an injury in the final, but trying to play through it fair play to him yeah right so this is now my front three um and i've sort of got two wingers and a striker but when you hear all of them you probably realize that they can just the front three can probably just like swap positions all over the place first one pains me it is a man that i love but in the euros it's a man that i hate (laughs) Because he really single-handedly knocked Wales out in oh. 2016 Euros. It's Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, well, really... um, before you carry on, Cristiano yeah. Ronaldo is also my next choice on the left wing. So, that works out really well, doesn't it? There you go. It's it's so easy to like put Messi or Ronaldo into a team. Obviously, you can't put Messi in this one. But it's so easy to just put them in a team because they're Ronaldo or Messi. But if you look at... like I. I think I searched him in earlier. This, uh, I put like uh, award winners in Euros or like, so it showed you on Wikipedia, there's a whole page that shows you like the golden boot, player of the tournament, team yeah. of the tournament, stuff like that. And I think he's in three different team of the tournaments. Yeah. Um, uh, including the 2004 one where he got Wayne Rooney sent off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, or is he in four? I can't remember, but he's in a stupid amount of team of the tournaments. He like, didn't get in 2008. Did he not? No. 
Right. Well, it's just like, so it's like, yes, it might be easy to just be like, oh, Cristiano Ronaldo, because it's Ronaldo, but he is a hell of a player. Yeah. He, um, yeah, 2004 is one of the most watched, probably, videos from England fans and how much they hate Ronaldo <laughs> for it. Somehow he got over that and United fans still loved him. Yeah. Um, well, I think if you score a, a thousand goals, that probably helps you quite a lot. Yeah, yeah. And the little wink to the bench as oh, well. Oh, I was, love uh, that. She tells me it's finest. <laughs> Ooh, some, it was, uh, yeah. Some Euros-based Cristiano Ronaldo stats for you. Go on. Just to back up the legend that is. He is the only player to score in four different European championships. Really? 2004, 2008, 2012, 2016. But he's the only player? Yeah. So, you'd imagine he may well score in Euro Yeah. Jean Moutinho, Ruben Neves, 
Or How's Ronaldo Sanchez, Sanchez doing? Is he Ronaldo Sanchez just won the yeah. league in France? He's like revived his career. He... Lille. Oh, okay, unbelievable player. Goncalo Guedesh from Valencia. Like you got some amazing talent, amazingly talented players. But four like, years ago, Cancel- like geez, that's what I mean. Like this, this this team now, on paper, Portugal probably should be there or thereabouts to win the tournament. But four years ago, they should not have won the tournament, <laughs> and they did. Yeah, so and, amazing. Uh, Ed Air. Mad. Right, so... I would have much preferred it if Ed Air had scored a head air. That would have been better. <laughs> Shame. Right, so we both picked Ronaldo, so you've got another choice there. Yeah, uh, so... One of your strikers, yeah? Yeah, so Cristiano Ronaldo was my left winger. So I had two Portuguese wingers. So up front, I've got one fairly modern and one thrown way back. Way back. Okay. I feel like we might have a similar one here. Okay. Is one of your Spanish... One of them is. Is one of yours Dutch? No. All right, there you go. We're all right. Okay. So my Spaniard up front is Mr. David Villa. Is it yours also? Uh, yeah, so he was my, or is my right winger. Like I say, they can all yeah. sort of So move David Villa, yeah. four hit the tournament of 08. Yeah. Absolutely instrumental tournaments. He didn't score in the final. It was Fernando Torres that scored in the final of 2008. David Villa was so good. Yeah. And the group stages of that tournament scored a hat trick in the first game, scored an injury time winner in another game. Some of the goals he was scoring was absolutely unreal. That first 2008 tournament was probably what got him a move to Barcelona from Valencia. I'd say so, yeah. And then I, I, he was, he was a player I always wanted at United. Yeah. I don't know. He probably would never have fit, but like, I just so good, oh, so good to watch. Like, man. That that hair, that sort of like almost mullet hairstyle with like the frosted tips, and then the little <laughs> tiny little soul patch on his chin. <laughs> That's so iconic. Look. Like, iconic, isn't iconic it? look for David Villa. <laughs> but like, what a player! Like the the pace, the movement, like the the finishing, the yeah, just the link up with Torres and Iniesta and Fabregas, just unbelievable player for Spain. Helped them win that tournament and just instrumental and an unbelievable player yeah so yeah, yeah. David I did. can't say anything anything else apart from all that he was just such a he was a tiny tiny little player and he was so quick and so like like you look at him and you think oh he's a small little guy playing in a tiki taka football side he might struggle to like get on in, in major tournaments with like a lot of pressure and a lot of like weight on his shoulders, considering how how talented that Spain side were, because they were expected to win those tournaments. Yeah. Well, the fact we both picked him as well, and he's not probably not a stereotypical sort of easy one to choose. That no, shows um, how, an unbelievable how... player, and like for, for the Euros and like the modern Euros, absolutely iconic striker, and yeah, one of the best to to play in the tournament. Right. So you said your next one's a throwback. Yes. So is mine, but you said yours is Dutch, so they're very they're, they are different. Okay, that's good. Which mine, is mine is Dutch. Yeah. Right. So mine is Platini. Michel Platini. Yeah. Is he a striker? Yeah. Oh, I never knew that. That's bad. Yeah. <laughs> is he actually? Well, I've got him as a striker just because. Well, I'd, probably you could see him as an attacking midfielder, but in the oh, I can't remember which which. Uh, competition it was he was the top goal scorer with nine goals in one tournament Ooh. one European Championship tournament yeah okay probably argue he's an attacking midfielder I did always think he was an attacking midfielder but I think you could put him as a false nine go pet yeah 
be a good when I've got David Villa and Ronaldo either side, maybe yeah, false nine in the middle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the Bobby Firmino role. But so, so when you said about Ronaldo is joint top with nine goals in European Championship finals, and I knew that Platini had nine goals in one. I'm assuming he just didn't score any in any others, or didn't yeah. play in any others. Apparently not. Yeah. So yeah. you know, because I read that off the official Euro. He was championship he, website. So he was uh, he was good in one. <laughs> but you know, <laughs> but he was good in that one, good. and he, he scored nine. Uh, there is there is a YouTube um, video that shows all nine goals, and um, there are some good ones. Some of them are very much just quite lucky. It just falls to his feet in an open goal, but. You, you know you've got to be there, haven't you? Yeah, exactly. You got to make you got to put the position in there to get there. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, yeah. Michel Platini. Um, I'm actually not his biggest fan <laughs> at the moment, but he's a big he's a big voice in your way for it at the moment, isn't he? But yeah, yeah, he's a bit a bit of a sketchy character now. But yeah, what a player. Well, I, again, one of those players where really we don't know too much about him in terms of actually watching them play, but having seen highlight reels and reading about like the feats they achieved, players like him are just absolute legends. And for again, a country like France with such a rich history in football to be well, regarded he... as one of the best and nicknamed the King or yeah. Le Roi, yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, so to, to to win the European Championship and for you to score nine goals on the way to the final <laughs> winning it, like... What is it with can't... French players and scoring crazy amounts of goals in single tournaments? Yeah, yeah ridiculous. Imagine him and Juice Fontaine up front. <laughs> Fontaine, yeah. <laughs> God, I still can't go over that. No. But yeah, amazing choice. I love, like, Michel Platini is one of those players where he could fit in the modern game so easily. Like his style yeah. of play would just fit so well into the modern game. And even in a France squad, it'd be like a nice player to have in well, there. Well, imagine, say say we both just said then that he could be a false nine in my ty- in my side. Put him in a city side as a false side, as a false nine, he'd probably do your job. Yeah. So my throwback striker, Mr. Marco Van Basten. I was going to say, you mentioned him earlier, so I had a feeling it might be yeah. him. It was either going to be him or Private, maybe? Yeah. Marco van Basten for his exploits at Euro 88. Euro 88. So Euro 88, Netherlands won the tournament and he played an absolutely crucial role in winning said tournament. So he scored a hat-trick in the group stages, which eliminated England. Good on you, Marco. (laughs) He then scored one of the best goals of all time. Yeah against the Soviet Union in a 2-0 win. And, yeah, just absolutely unbelievable player. What more do you say about Marco van Basten? (laughs) Like, a Dutch icon, an absolutely amazing striker, one of the best strikers to ever play the game. They played in that incredible, incredible Dutch kit in 1988, which is, like, the one that everyone wears now, like, as a retro kit, because it's so nice. And Marco van Basten was just that iconic player in that kit, scoring an incredible goals against decent teams. Can't argue with Marco van Basten at front. Yeah, I was going to say easy choice. Also, I've just, <laughs> I literally just searched Euro uh, 1998 and then went on to the goal scorers. Only three players scored more than one goal, <laughs> which is really odd. That is a bit strange. Which is Rudy Voller, Ole Protasov. And Marco Van Basten scored five. The other two scored two. 
So he oh. was like head and shoulders above the rest of them in that <laughs> tournament. Well, Marco Van Basten in that year also won the Ballon d'Or in 1988. Nice. Back to back, he won it. 1988 and 1989. But yeah, Marco Van Basten scored incredible goals and the, the best goal of his career was scored in that tournament against the Soviet Union. You've seen it. It's the, vol- it's the volley from the outrageous angle. Yeah, every any volley that gets scored from a slight angle now gets compared to Van Basten's volley, even if it looks nothing like it. If there's a volley on the angle, they're like, oh, Happy it's like Cissé's Van volley, volley was like his. Yeah. Peter Crouch's volley was like his. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So he set the benchmark. He set the tone for any volleys in the future. But yeah, <laughs> for, for Euros player to score five goals in one tournament, including a hat trick against England, I think that's a legend in my book. So he goes straight in to partner David Villa in my strike force. Nice, nice. Right, well, there's our starting 11s. There's our starting 11s. Super sub, who you got? <laughs> You're going to like my super sub. <laughs> Former Liverpool player. So I, look, I looked through my team and realised I just had, you know, like it was very much a German, Spanish and French sort of, and Portuguese. Flavor. So I was like, let's let's get another, I would know I had a Greek goalkeeper, but let's get another one who's sort of from a, from a different country. So I went to uh, Czech Republic. Milan Baros. I put Milan Baros. Yeah. He had a hell of a tournament in, and I can't remember. 2004. Which, it was the 2004 one. Hell of a tournament. Like, what a player. <laughs> like, why was he never, not always that good? I know he was good, but like. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what it was. Like, I actually had a Liverpool shirt, uh, an away shirt with number five, with, with my name on the back. But I chose number five because Milan because Bauer, of... for some reason, was number five as a striker. But there you go. Yeah, that's very odd. But yeah, I uh, did he score? I swear he scored five, five goals for Czech Republic in that in that, um, and they came he, third. Yeah, I was gonna say that was a hell of a tournament for for the boys, the Czech Republic. I even on the back of that, I <laughs> back of that tournament, I actually did a school report on. Czech Republic, purely I based on the fact that someone, Milan yeah. Baros was from the Czech Republic. So I did my whole t- whole thing based on the fact that Milan Baros was from the Czech Republic. But they, um, they had a decent side. Yeah, they did. Yeah, like Karol Popovsky was in there, Jan Koller, Paul mm. Nedved, Heinze, not the... Not the, not the Argentinian, Argentinian one. one. <laughs> Petr Cech was at, at that tournament. Yeah. The, the young Petr Cech. Like I say, he was he was they were a decent side. It wasn't just like a sort of fluke or anything like that. No. Was... Tell you who else they had. Vladimir Schmitzer, absolute legend. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, Milan Barrage in that tournament was so good. And then the next season for Liverpool was bang average, but he did win the Champions League the next season. So yeah, good go on you, Milan. What a couple of years for Milan Barrage coming third in the Euros and then winning the Champions League the year after. Yeah. And then yeah. He he completed football at that point and was just like, you know what, I'll just fade into nothingness. I'll go to Aston Villa. <laughs> but yeah. Amazing yeah. pick. I love Milan Barosh. I was going to say, like, when, when I was picking him, I was like, I'm picking Milan Barosh in my team. Is there not anyone else? And I was thinking, there are, but you're picking him for the Euros. And so. Yeah. So my sub for the Euros yeah, is another Welshman. It's not Al Robson Collins. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> as much as I'd love to, considering he did score two goals off the bench, uh, four Wales in that tournament. Um, but I will put in it- Mr. Aaron Ramsey. Oh. Yes. Now, Aaron Ramsey, on his day, when he's fit, 
I think, could walk into most teams in the world. Oh, yeah. 100%. His technical skill is so good, the way he plays, controls the ball. I went down to Cardiff like two years ago almost for the, the game that Wales won against whoever I actually can't remember. Anyway, went down, to the, went down to Cardiff City Stadium to watch Wales win the game that, that took them into the tournament. And, oh, my goodness, there was... So much talent on display in terms of the Wales squad and how well we played, but yeah, Aaron Ramsey was just head and shoulders above everyone else. Even Gareth Bale, who was playing on on that game, and he supplied the assist for Ramsey's first goal. But Aaron Ramsey was just like head and shoulders above everyone else. There's yeah. a reason why he plays for Juventus currently. He's so good at football. His does he footballing does he start brain. The Juventus team. He it's a mixed bag. He's been injured. Obviously, it's Aaron Ramsey. He spends half yeah. his life on the treatment table, unfortunately. But Aaron Ramsey just unbelievable player and in that Euros where Wales weren't expected to do anything and a lot of people just ruled us out just looked at the squad and thought who the heck are these guys the two names on the team sheet that stood out were Gareth Bale and Aaron Ramsey and both yeah. of them lived up to that and both of them performed really well they both played extremely well and Aaron Ramsey especially was just the creative force in the in the team he set up Hal Robson Carnu in the first game for the assist he scored a lovely little dink finish against Russia yeah, he just was the creative spark that Wales needed and always did need and still need now. I, um, so if Wales going to do anything in this next tournament, I think a lot of it is down to whether Aaron Ramsey shows up or not. Yeah, hundred percent. I I love him, and I remember when he played for he came from Cardiff, didn't he? When he went to Arsenal. Yeah, yeah. And I remember both Arsenal and United were in for him, and I wanted him. I'd never seen him play. I just wanted him because he was Welsh. Like that sounds stupid, but there's just nah, something, yeah. there's something about that. It's like when nice Dan James. Yeah. yeah, when Dan James signed for United, I loved it. Yeah, Aaron Ramsey is just such such a good player, such a good player to watch as well. And I remember when Arsenal signed him, and they had him, Özil. Uh, they had a lot of decent players on the ball, and they were quite a good team. They were a really good team to watch under Wenger. Yeah, like quick passing when when Wilshere was there, and Wilshere was at his peak as well, which wasn't for long. But... No, that was two games. <laughs> but you know what I mean like there, there was a lot of quick passing in that Arsenal side and they were quite a good team to watch but yeah I love Aaron Ramsey also yeah. love the fact he dyed his hair he bleached his hair blonde for that tournament didn't he so that yeah. his kids could recognise him mm-hmm. on, I love that. Uh, on t- TV so I, I don't know why I just absolutely love that yeah Rambo just love him he's great, yeah. a great player a great Welshman loves the country represents us so well and this isn't just a bias thing if you don't think that if you think I'm being biased about myself here Go back and watch the highlights of Euro 2016 and sh- look how well Aaron Ramsey actually played in that tournament. Yeah, For individual tournaments and individual accolades for a tournament, one of the reasons Wales got knocked out in the semi-finals was because Aaron Ramsey was suspended. I genuinely believe that he had he played, it could have been a different result. There would have been more spark, wouldn't there? There would have been more... Yeah, exactly. Without him, it, like, it, was, it was hard to put that on Johnny Williams. It, it's not his game. Like, it's, they have, they're different players and Ramsey has more to his game than just that creative spark. He can... Yeah drive a team forward. He can get back if he needs to, but it all depends on whether his legs work. So fingers crossed, and Ramsey keeps his legs working for the next seven games so we can uh, win the Euros. But seven games. <laughs> so there we go. There's our uh, first 11s and super subs in the bag. So join us again where we go through our manager, our stadiums and our kits. Okay, so let's go for manager. George, who have you got as your manager? Uh, you mentioned him earlier. Did I? Yes. Did I? And you mentioned the reason for him being my manager earlier. 
Um, it's Cristiano Ronaldo. <laughs> ah, nice. Just genu- genuinely, genuinely for that moment. So uh, we said earlier on that we were going to pick like a moment of the Euros and that was possibly going to be it. I thought, no, I quite like the idea of just having him as my manager because that moment was just, obviously we don't have to go too much into it because we've already mentioned it. It was special. Yeah. There was something about it that was just like, that shows that it's more than just himself. Yeah. Which a lot of criticism that Ronaldo comes in, there is, he only cares about himself. He only cares about scoring goals for himself and things like that. But that moment there showed that, nah, it was the team, it was the country, it was... And yeah, it did still mean that he would win a Euro. So it is sort of about him. Yeah. But it showed that it was more than just that. And I, yeah, exactly. He meant more to him. It was just it. an accolade for him to get. He was egging on players like Eder. Yeah. Who... And might you say, he stopped, he, stopped, he stopped the treatment. This treatment probably could have been quite important to make sure to treat it straight away. And he was like, no, I want to, want to be on the sideline. I yeah. don't know if it... He, he wants he, to be out there. I don't know if actually it's allowed for a player to be out there. I've never seen it before or since. So I feel like incredible. it's not. And I feel like the officials probably looked over, saw it was Ronaldo and went, yeah, we're going to leave that one. <laughs> what you're saying is that the UEFA should strip Portugal of their Euro 2016 title and give it to Wales. <laughs> I mean, they'd have to give it to France. But either nah, way, nah. France has got enough already. They don't need another one. But yeah, I just, I loved it. And I just, I, like, you've, I've never seen it before. I don't think I'll ever see it again. No. Just, this player's gone off injured, but he's still limping along the sideline, screaming at his players and just motivating them, and they win it. Yeah. Even it. at that point, I was like, well, Ronaldo's gone off, they're not going to win it. And then... They did. Well, great choice. My manager is Vicente Del Bosque. Vicente Del Bosque. Spain manager, won Euro 2012, on the back of winning the World Cup in 2010. Uh, iconic look, big, amazing moustache from Mr. Bosque <laughs> and an amazing manager. Obviously, Luis Aragones was the manager for 2008 when they won Euro 2008 and then he moved on and Del Bosque took over and then he just carried it on, just carried on with that team, carried on with that squad, honed it a little bit, put some of his own flavour in there and then won two international tournaments on the bounce, including Euro 2012 when Spain just absolutely dominated. Yeah. Massive like, head. Huge head, and that's another thing. Uh, solidarity, brother. <laughs> but like, it was. I, I just remember it being like really tall as well. Like, yeah, really tall. But yeah, mustache is the is the one thing that's recognisable yeah. about him. And that's Del Bosque. That's my manager. I think he yeah. an absolutely cracking manager. I think in terms of Euro success, he managed one of the best ever Euros teams. That that twenty that twenty twelve Spain team was one of the best teams ever. So yeah, yeah. I I think it's between the two thousand and eight and two thousand and twelve Spain team for like best ever. Yeah, absolutely. But, the only reason I chose him over Aragones is because he won the World Cup two years before. So, obviously, that's quite a big deal. All right, Stadium, what you got? Stadium. Uh, this one is very biased. <laughs> and I'm probably going to murder the pronunciation of it, but it's the Stade Pierre Moroy. Moral? Moroy? Moroy. Moroy. <laughs> obviously, you're probably better at <laughs> I don't know. But it's the, it's, the, it's the one where Wales beat Belgium. Um, and I know we go fucking on about it. And I know there's probably someone listening going, oh, for fuck's sake. But like, genuinely, best moment in football ever. I've watched United win the Champions League. I've watched Wrexham try and get playoffs. Uh, <laughs> a bit of a difference there. But like, Wales winning against Belgium in a quarterfinal, best moment in my life in football. Yeah, yeah like, I agree. 
hundred percent. And that's the stadium it happened in, and the stadium went fucking wild. Whether it was because you know that there's always going to be Wales and Belgium uh, fans in there. There's always as well going to be neutrals in there in like these sort of uh, tournaments. Yeah, and it seemed like. 70% of that stadium went mental yeah. when that goal went in uh, with Hal Robson-Garner's goal go- going in and then Sam Vokes's. So, yeah. yeah, Great, special. great choice. Great choice. I'm, I, I'm making it a goal in my life to go there one day. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. So, my stadium. Yeah, go on. Slightly different flavour. So, mine is the Estadio de Luz in Portugal. It was the... Well, it's the home of Benfica and it is the location of the Greece-Portugal final in 2004, where the underdogs conquered Portugal and won Euro 2004. It's an incredible-looking stadium. If you've never seen it before, definitely mm. Google it. It is absolutely it is. spectacular stadium from the outside. And just the venue for the for the ultimate underdog victory in the Euros, I think it's just incredible. And one that I wanted to just highlight again, because, I mean... We all have an underdog story. As Wales fans, more often than not, our victories are classed as an underdog victory. <laughs> so we're with we're with the Greeks in this aspect. But yeah, for the Greeks to come through that tournament and and beat Portugal in the final in Portugal as well in that in that stadium, special special location, amazing tournament, amazing team, and an amazing stadium all culminated there in that final. Loved it. The stadium almost looks as if it's unfinished with the yeah, way it's sort it of like, like set it's up. Not going to scaffold it. it. It looks really cool, I think. Yeah, it's an amazing stadium. And anywhere that's the site of a massive underdog victory, so both of our stadiums are. Yeah. Great stadium. I mean, one, one more important than the other with, you know, Greece winning the whole thing. But yeah. <laughs> we won a quarterfinal and we still talk about it. But And I still like will that, do for 50 years. It's like that meme where it's like the guy getting the champagne and then you see him like going, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it pans out and it's him stood third place on the podium. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's us. Yeah, and I'll take it every day of the week. All right, kits. Right, what kit. you got? Uh, I've got possibly one of the uh, most famous international kits in history, which is the 1988 Germany kit. Oh, well, I've got the 1988 Dutch kit. Oh, same year as well. Nice. Good, a good year for kits, obviously. Mm. So the Germany kit that I'm on about, people would have seen it. It's the white one. It's got like red, uh, hold on, let me get this right, red, orange and black yeah, like across That's and then it sort of jaggers down and then down, back yeah. again. It's incredible kit. Uh, the Netherlands one you're talking about, I think, I'm going to search it. I think I know which one it is. Yeah, so my, my home kit is the Netherlands home kit for that tournament where it's orange with like a geometric pattern almost on it with the black old school Adidas logo the black lion on the other side for the Netherlands badge and then the white sort of almost like a V-neck, but like a cross collar. And then obviously the three stripe iconic. You see, see a three stripe, you think Adidas obviously, but that kit is just unbelievable. And yeah, just an iconic kit and my home kit. Yeah. That, that kit as well. I swear the one you, you're on about, and in fact, both of them probably have, have got like remakes of them Yeah, because they're so popular and people love the retro kits that they've got remakes of them. And like, I would buy the Germany kit. I'd probably buy that Netherlands kit. <laughs> yeah. It is lovely, though. Absolutely gorgeous. All right, well, I've got an away kit as well. You do? Yeah, you said earlier. Go on. So my away kit is the Portugal 2012 away kit. Right, okay. So it's a white kit with a cross along the front of it, 
like the whole shirt is the cross, but one half is green and one half is red. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely stunning kit. Really nice. Portugal often have nice kits, but that kit was just absolutely stunning. Loved it. And so then, I, I very nearly put one of Portugal's home kits as mine because I love like a, it's very standard. It's just, it's the colour it is. Yeah. No sponsors. In fact, internationals never have sponsors, but no. like just oh, love it. Yeah, iconic. But yeah, those that those are my kits. Beautiful kits. Like the Euros always always drums up some amazing kits. There has been some stinks along the way. Wales is a way <laughs> kit. For example, in Euro 2016, was absolutely shocking. <laughs> yeah, it really we never have a grey and luminous green kit again. <laughs> but yeah, some some tournaments throw up some amazing kits. There's some lovely kits in this next tournament. The Finland kit is absolutely hang. So yeah, if you haven't seen it, go check out that kit. So there's some beautiful kits in this year's tournament. And uh, then there's England's kits, but we won't talk about them. Right. So moving on to something we don't usually do because we don't do one about a tournament, but it's the moments. Yes. The best moment. Now, best moment. there's a certain moment we've both spoke about a ridiculous amount of times. I haven't chosen it. <laughs> and I have. Go on. <laughs> Go on then. So my favourite moment in Euro's history is Harrods and Carney scoring against Belgium. Of course it is. If you didn't expect that from the start of this podcast, then why, where have you been for the past 28 episodes? It is the best moment. We've talked about it already in this podcast like three times. Yeah. But just the best moment in my footballing memory, like the ultimate underdog goal from the ultimate underdog player who has scored about three goals since then. That was five years ago. Just an unbelievable finish from an, a bang average football player. And the turn, the turn. It's just the, the cross turn, the cross turn. So the cross, so the ball forward, and then Aaron Ramsey gets on the edge of the box, dinks it in, and then Robson Carney takes it on one foot, facing back to goal, two defenders on him, Cruyff turns behind him, and then just slots in this lovely, just cushioned finish into the left corner. Not even really into the corner. I think Courtois was no. so surprised that it was there. He was like, what? What's going on? <laughs> And then just the, the iconic bit of running back towards the, the team and then Harrods and Carney running past the Wales squad. I don't know why. Then going, oh, oops, sorry, I'm, I'm coming back. And then just, like, <laughs> and just iconic. He wasn't expecting scores. So he just didn't know what to do. He didn't know what to do himself. But yeah, an iconic it's, goal. Iconic it's the player. picture. It's the picture from that moment where yeah. it's like, it's just him and he's in the middle of turning and both Belgian players are running one way and you're yeah. like, the ball's going the fucking other way, lads. Yeah. Like, uh-oh, someone call him a taxi. But yeah, that like we spoke about it so much and, and I apologise to all the listeners to hear, have to hear us talk about this again. But on a Euros podcast, my Euros moment of all time, my best my best Euros moment of all time is Harry Robson Carnu scoring against Belgium in a tournament that we weren't supposed to even get out of the groups and we got to the semi-final. And I will dine out on that for the rest of my life. Thank you very yeah, much. Absolutely. So mine would have been that. Uh, Drew messaged me when we were talking about uh, setting up this podcast and said we'll have a moment as well and I was like well that's going to obviously be Drew's so I'm going to pick a different one, mine's still Wales yeah. and this is sort of bittersweet in the fact that it was in the semi-final, Portugal v uh, Wales, we lost 2-0 we're 2-0 down, I think it's like 20 minutes left in the game and it's quite clear that we haven't got it, basically, that we're not going to do it. And it's it's been a good run, whatever. And all you hear in the background for like the last 20 minutes of that game is Wales fans 
singing the national anthem yeah. over and over and over again. And it's like, and it's not just like little pockets. It's the whole fucking Welsh like contingency in that crowd. And I remember watching it. I was on tour at the time. I was watching it just in the house that I was staying in. And I had a tear in my eye, I had a lump in my throat. <laughs> and it was a point. So listening to them singing, it could have been a moment of like, fuck's sake, we've not done it. We've we've lost in the semifinals. But it wasn't. It was a moment of, oh my God, we're a little nation that's on the side of England, yeah, is how most people see it. Look at us, we're in the semifinal against Portugal in, a, in the Euros. We've done fucking well. Yeah. The and, thing is now, from, from, from whatever happens for the rest <laughs> of Wales' international career, for the rest of our international future, no matter what happens, no one can ever take that away from us as Wales fans to no. see our team, our little team. Yes, we had a superstar or two in there. We did. You can't deny that. You got two, yeah, at least. But to get that far in that tournament, the teams we beat, the players we played, the the way we played, the way the fans followed it along. The, that, and that's what I was going to say. So, like that tournament, yeah, just incredible. The the moment is is all down to the fans that went out there and just like because it wasn't just that game like every single one like the don't take me home chant that came all from yeah. Wales um, fans in that one it's just like they were so passionate and they were they let's be honest most of them went out there just thinking we're gonna stay for three games we're gonna come home we're just gonna have a good time we're gonna have a good laugh with yeah. it watch our team play football and then it got that far and people were like oh my god hold on a second and they still kept the same. Like atmosphere about it, like still, we're just happy to be here. Yeah, we exactly. are. And the, yeah, I, I remember, I can't remember which pundit it was, but it was either on ITV or BBC. And he had come out uh, and he was basically just doing all the Wales games. And he put his car in a short term uh, car park at the airport because he didn't think he'd be there that long. <laughs> every, t- like in the quarterfinal, they were like, oh God, is, I bet that. Uh, that bill's uh, racking up a little bit. And then the semi-final, they were like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> it just became a running joke. I can't remember who it was or That's like so which funny. which uh, channel it was on. But uh, it, I, I remember that being funny. But yeah, it's it's the Wales fans for me singing don't uh, singing the national anthem yeah, for the last 20 that. minutes of that Portugal game. It was so special. And I, yeah. I cried. I'm not even going to... Yeah, I cried a lot of times on the tournament. I fully expect, even in this tournament, where I fully expect us to get knocked out in the group stages. I will be crying the whole time. Yep. Still means that much to me. That's still real to me, damn it. <laughs> but no, I think I think that's that's the thing. Like major tournaments will do that. I think if you've been in them for so long, it does. You sort of get complacent with it. You're just like, oh, it's just another tournament. But which is why it was such a shock to England. Uh, we were saying about the 2008 one. Yeah, like they suddenly weren't in it, and it was like, oh, because they just expected to be. Yeah, exactly. And then, like, I, I like. Obviously, I'm not rooting for England, but I could see them doing well in this tournament. And I think they, like, I think they could do well. I appreciate England fans like can have a good time and enjoy it like they did in the World Cup. And like, I, I like that for football fans. If football fans can enjoy it, I think it's cool. Obviously, I'd rather England didn't win, but <laughs> if they do, then I've got a lot of we we have a lot of mates that are English that will have a great yeah. time. Yeah, hundred percent. To you, and they've got. A I will say, do one. <laughs> <laughs> they've got a special team this year. I think they can do something. But, yeah, with all their 15 right backs, see how they get on. Yeah. That, uh, what, anyway, take, let's not talk about it. We'll have Ward Prowse. Why? Too late. And then, there we go. There's our Euros teams. Yeah. Let's go back through them one last time, do a bit of admin, and then we get out of it. So, my team, I went for a 4 4 2. I had in goal Peter Schmeichel from 1992. At right back, Lilian Turam. 
At centre-back, Ashley Williams and Marcel Desailly. And then left-back, Yuri Zhirkov from 2008. In midfield, I had Euro 2000 and 2004 version of Luis Figo. In central midfield, I had Xavi from 2008 and 2012 and Theodoris Zagarakis from 2004. And on my left wing, I had Cristiano Ronaldo for, for all of the tournaments that he's starred in. <laughs> and then up front, from 2008, David Villa. And from 1988, Marco Van Basten. With the super sub from 2016, Wales' talisman, Aaron Ramsey. My manager was Vicente Del Bosque. My stadium was Stadio de Luz in Lisbon. And then my kit, my home kit, was the Holland 1988 home kit. And my away kit was the Portugal 2012 away kit. With my moment of the tournament being Han Robson Carnu scoring that goal against Belgium. That goal. That's what a fucking team that is when you're yeah, down. When you're like a down, you're like, oh my God, this is so good. <laughs> right. So my team started off with a goalkeeper uh, for Greece in 2004, which is Antonios Nikopolidis. Uh, my three centre-backs were Philip Lahm, uh, Franz Beckenbauer and Pepe. So I had like four central midfielders, depending how you want to play them. It's Joe Allen, Xavi, Iniesta and Michael Balak. And then my front three, all interchanging, is Cristiano Ronaldo, Platini and David Villa. With my super sub, in case they don't do enough, is Milan Barosh. My manager uh, is a player that's also on the uh, pitch already, which is Cristiano Ronaldo. Uh, the kit was the 1988 Germany kit and the stadium was the, I'm going to get this wrong again, Stade Pierre Moroy. And then the moment was the Welsh fans singing the national anthem 20 minutes from the end of losing to Portugal, just showing how proud they are of the team. Absolutely love it. So there you go. There's our two teams. So you, the fans, can decide who has the better team. There's nothing at stake, just a bit of fun. Is our Euros preview because obviously the Euro starts on Friday. So we hope you all have a great time watching the Euros. We hope your teams do well. We have a few listeners from across Europe, so we hope your teams do well. Unless you are from England, in which case we do not hope you do well. So just just before we finish as well, Drew, who's your pick? Ooh, I think Portugal again. Portugal? Yeah. I'm going to say France. I want the Netherlands to win because I just got them in the sweepstake and work, but without Van Dijk, I don't <laughs> think they're going to do it. <laughs> do you want to know who I got in the sweepstakes? England. Oh, no. <laughs> so it's like this. No. Oh. But, you know, I'll get money if they win. I think England have got a chance, honestly. Yeah. If they yeah, decide so to stop playing daft formations, I think they could win it looking at the strength of their squad. But, yeah, that depends on whether they do that or not. But hopefully they do. Injuries as well. So is Grealish fit? Is Maguire fit? Is... Hopefully not. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Because both of them are like big, big yeah. conclusions, I think. I mean, jokes aside, England have got a great team. And obviously, if they put it together, that team could win an international tournament. Unfortunately, so could France, Netherlands, Spain, Germany, Portugal. Italy, Portugal, <laughs> North Macedonia. Maybe not that one. <laughs> Ireland, Scotland. <laughs> Ireland, isn't it? Ooh, rough. Anyway. Oh, shit. Yeah, no, they're not. Anyway. So, yeah. Who's your, who's your pick? Sorry, remind me. Uh, France. France, yeah, okay. And if France win, you know, you're happy either way. So. It's a win-win for me. <laughs> Although I think he doesn't like football, so I don't if... Yeah, but your future kids will, and then That's you can be like, I'm, I'm I remember doing it for them. win. I'm doing it for them. <laughs> right, so thanks again for listening, guys. Um, we hope you enjoyed our Euro special. 
Uh, next week, we will be back with another guest, back to our normal scheduled programming. Um, so sorry for this this different break with me and George in the middle, just doing this Euros <laughs> team. Hope you enjoyed it. Remember, if you don't do so already, you can give us a follow on social media. We have Facebook, we have Twitter, we have Instagram, we have TikTok, all under the handle at Nostalgia FC Pod. We also have an email address. If you fancy sending us an email for whatever reason, you can email us at the address. NostalgiaFCPod at gmail.com. Oh, yeah. Now, remember, if the podcast app you use has the function to rate and review, please, can you do that? That would be amazing. It does help us get into the algorithms of new countries. And that brings us to the next point where we've reached our 17th country. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's not a European country. It is New Zealand. So welcome to the fun New Zealand. Uh, unfortunately, this this one might go over your head. <laughs> the Euros, but there you go. Maybe we'll do an oceanic one someday, but probably not. I'm thinking. I'm thinking we go on a world tour soon. We got enough listeners now. Oh yeah, we got enough enough listeners, but no money, so maybe not. <laughs> I also like the idea of like us going over to New Zealand, just one fan being like, "Yeah." <laughs> so uh, yeah, thanks again for listening, guys. Enjoy the Euros. We'll be back next week with another guest. Until then. That was the Euro special of Nostalgia FC podcast and what teams they were. What teams they were. Insert that that music. cross yes that black and blue cross mm-hmm. that is very nice tasty and wales beat them whilst they were in that kit so suck it for them. <laughs> <laughs>